How's everybody doing? Yeah? It's real funny. Everybody's today centrally located. I think you guys showed up on the week where like, right? Like, you're like, wait a minute, that's my seat. I sit there. But y'all doing okay? The weather kind of tricked us this week, didn't it? Nothing I can do about it. I did look at the temperature up north, Ohio, uh, I think it was in the 40s this morning. So, I mean, you know, like there's that. So we're not too bad. We were in the 50s when I woke up here. So, anyways, so glad that you're here. Uh, my name's Matt, by the way. Uh, I get the privilege of being able to share with you guys this morning. And if you're new here this morning, we are so glad that, that you're here. Uh, if I haven't got to meet you, I'd love to be able to meet you after service. If you're watching with us online, let us know where you're watching from. We're so glad that you're with us and so glad that you guys joined us in the house today. But um, we are smack dab in the middle of a series called Growing Gracefully. And guys, hasn't it been good, those that have been here, right? I mean, amazing. We had Rick, we had Clark. We had Leslie, and we still have a few more sessions to go. But I'd say so far, like, I've got a lot to live up to, so I don't know what we're going to do. I've, I'm going to pull a rabbit out of a hat today, so we'll see. But uh, I will say it's been a, a great series. I think it's a great topic. I think, I don't know that we've really captured this in this way. Um, but growing and growth, wouldn't you guys all agree that as far as growing and growth, you kind of hear those words often in the Christian environment. It's a pretty uh, important topic. And uh, I would say if you Googled or if you looked up on YouTube the word growing in God, you could spend hours learning about how to grow in God. I did it. I actually did it last week just to see how many there were. I mean, they've got five reasons you're not growing, five reasons how to grow, five reasons to know that you're actually going backwards. There's all sorts of growth tips and topics on how to go grow. And I would say if you go to church, like if you visit a church, typically you'll see at any church in America that there is an emphasis on growth. Like uh, at churches that I've been to, they actually have one of the first sessions that you go to they will uh, run you through a program. Have you guys ever been through the growth program? That they have, I think it's called Growth Track and Connection Track. I have a slide that kind of gives you the breakdown, um, just in case you're wondering. So for Growth and Connection Track, they have uh, step one is to become a member, right? They sit you down, you go to a class, and you'll learn how to become a member. It's interesting that in that, they also teach you how to tithe in order to become a member, but that's a whole nother topic. Uh, step two, they'll tell you how to discover your design, which I think is important. I think it's important to learn your design. They'll give you a personality test. You'll learn a little bit about yourselves. And then the step three is usually join a team. How do you become a part of a team? And I'm not dogging on this, but I do think that the, this thought process isn't so much for the believer and their growth, but to me, it seems a little like church growth to me. It seems a little like how do you get more people and get people involved in the church, which isn't a bad thing. It's just, I think that's the emphasis. And here at Grace, I want you guys to know that we are all about growth. We really are. We, we emphasize on growth. But just as there is a way to grow gracefully, I believe there's also a way to grow ungracefully. You can look up that word if you want to, it is a real word. Uh, and so today, I wanna focus on the un part, if you will. 
I want to focus on what it's like to grow ungracefully. Um, the word ungracefully actually means lacking grace. It means not graceful. And the last thing it means is ungraceful movements. Ungraceful movements. I think about like if you ever been somewhere and you see somebody fall, maybe you've been to the ice skating rink or you've been to a roller skating rink and you see people moving the whole time, right? They're just falling and flailing. And every time my kids want to go out skating, I'm just, I'm like mortified because I'm going to be holding them because their arms are just moving the whole time, right? But that's very ungraceful movements. And just like no, no one wants to grow ungrace or wants to ungracefully fall, no one wants to ungracefully grow as well. So I would say overall, growing gracefully is the goal. It is the end result. It's the desired outcome that we and everybody wants to see and be a part of. It kind of reminds me of the construction site, okay? I know that that doesn't probably relate to you, but for some reason, I kind of went to the construction site when I was thinking about growth. And I don't know if you ever had a project that you've been doing at your house, or maybe you remodeled something, or maybe uh, you were building a new house, but how many of you have ever had where you hired someone, a contractor uh, or a friend or whatever, and you left, you went away, and then when you came back you, to the construction site, you saw that the end result that you desired did not turn out how you expected. Has anybody ever been there where you were like, man, I'm sure it's gonna be amazing, and you get there. I was talking to some other friends. One of my friends had tile that was off. Another friend was disappointed about how their cabinets turned out. Another guy I was talking to had some ceiling that they were disappointed about, so they redid the whole thing themselves. But there are people that where you're expecting something to happen and it doesn't really turn out exactly how you were hoping for. Um, sometimes, just to let you know, I, I was that contractor, okay? I was the contractor where I showed up and I did a job for somebody. And I wanna give you a little clue as to why sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens because you forget the tool that you were supposed to do. And so what do you do when you forget the tool? You try to do the job even without the tool. You try to figure it out. You, but you, you learned that, man, I wished I had had that tool. I wished I had the right tool for the job. In church, I believe we weren't given the right tools, right? It wasn't that they were bad tools to grow by. It just, they weren't the right tools for the job. Today, if you guys can hang in there with me, I want to go through a list of tools that were unnecessary tools in order to be able to grow in God, okay? I want to give you guys a list of tools. You might even still have them with you. You might be operating and using them, and we're going to talk about those unnecessary tools. Are you guys okay to hang in there with me? All right, so the first unnecessary tool, I know you might not think this is a tool, but if you're a contractor, you're going to find out that the first unnecessary tool, right, is a ladder, okay? This is uh, typically what you'll hear about growing in God, okay? And I'll explain it here in just a second. But I remember the first time, the reason why I picked the ladder as my first tool is because the first time I ever went to the job site, I went, I drove all the way there. It was about a half an hour away from the shop. And when I got there, I was supposed to paint the whole house. And I got out of my truck, I walked to the back, and the only thing I had in the back of the truck was a ladder. 
So I did what everybody should do, is I took the ladder out of the back of the truck, I walked inside, I set it up, I looked at it, I even climbed up a couple steps to make sure it worked, and then I stepped back down and I thought, man, I'm not gonna be able to paint this house with this ladder, okay? And so uh, I wanna give you a little example. Uh, the first scripture I wanna start with is in Matthew 5:48. It says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. So I wanna explain this. For years, I attempted to climb the ladder of perfection, okay? I, I did, I was given the scripture, I was told the scripture, even as a new believer, I was told to climb the ladder of perfection because if we're to be perfect as he is perfect, you gotta climb the ladder, you gotta attempt it, right? And so how, how I would attempt it is I would, I would earn and I would strive. Don't be nervous. This isn't my first time, okay? I would earn and I would strive. And I would earn and I would strive. And how would I do that? I would pray and I would read my Bible and I would start over the next day. I was like, well, that was pretty good, but I think I could do better. The next day I would go out and I would earn and I would read and I would lead people to the Lord. I would pray in public because I'm sure that that's what you're supposed to do, right? Like in order to lead people, I'd carry a huge Bible I'm like, man, this is gonna be how I'm gonna win people for the Lord. And so every day, I would earn and I would strive, and I would earn and I would strive, and I would earn and I would strive, and I would earn, and guess what I would do? Strive. I would strive, right? And you wanna know what stinks about earning and striving on the ladder of perfection? I'm just gonna give you a heads up. I know, this is, this is simple. I, I'm gonna tell you what stinks about it is when you spend most of your life trying to earn and strive, it's actually a pretty lonely place, right? Because like the point of it is to be able to show people that you are like Jesus or to show people that you're perfect as he is perfect. And the problem is, is once you get there, no one else wants to do that. Nobody else, they look at you, they say you're crazy, and you're like, no, come on up, come earn like I am. Like you can do it, I promise you, you can do it like I'm doing it, and so you can do it, and everybody's like, man, you're crazy. All you do is earn and strive every single day. And it's a pretty lonely, lonely place. And why is that? Because you've left everyone. You've left friends, you've left family, you've told people like, hey, you just need to get into the camp of earning and striving just like me. Perfecting yourself is so deceiving too. It's so deceiving, and the reason why that is is because you can't actually perfect yourself, okay? You can't. You can try, and I promise you I tried. I promise you there are others in this room that really gave it their best effort. They really did try to be perfect, right? And I'll hear well-meaning preachers. I don't know if you guys have heard, but I'll hear well-meaning preachers. They'll be preaching a radical, awesome message, and right in the middle of it, they'll plop that if we're to be perfect as he is perfect. They slide it right in there. As if slowing down the scripture would help anybody in the striving for perfection. As if slowing it down to be perfect. And it sounds so spiritual. As he is perfect. There is nothing graceful about a Christian trying to strive for perfection. 
There's nothing graceful about it. Right? Striving for perfection is actually an ungraceful movement. I believe it actually stunts your growth when you are striving for perfection. Like if your desire is to grow, don't ever step on the ladder of perfection. The ladder was not meant for you. Look at what the same scripture in the Amplified, I'm not promoting the Amplified on this scripture because it's very difficult. I like the Amplified, but for some reason they decided to amplify it, okay? Um, you therefore will be perfect. Look at it, what it says in parentheses. It says, growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your heavenly father is perfect. Now my question is, where did they get that from? Because if you look up the word perfect in the Greek, it literally means perfect. Where do they get growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life? The ladder of perfection wasn't helpful in us growing gracefully. And if you really think about it, if we could be perfect, okay, if we could be perfect, then why did Jesus need to die? right? Like he could have easily said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And then said, I'm out. Like, see you later. I don't need to do anything else. No, no. He was not saying it so that we would strive and that we would climb and we desire to be perfect. He was saying it to a group of people that had no clue how to be perfect, as do we. We, we don't have any clue how to do that. Another unnecessary tool, put this back here so I don't trip over it. Another unnecessary tool, let's see. You guys hanging in there? There we go. Here we go. Anybody know what this is? Right? You guys know what this is? Any, any guesses? It's a mixer. Good. Yeah, somebody said a paint mixer. That's what I used it for most of the time. Sometimes you'd mix mud with it, right? It's a great tool if you need it, okay? And I'll tell you, for years, I, I didn't know uh, how to, I, I painted along the way, but I didn't know that you weren't supposed to, I'd watch other guys do it, but they would put the paint mixer right into the paint. Like the paint would be sitting in the basement for like a year, and they'd think, oh, I just need to stir it up like the Home Depot model, and I'd just put this in there, and they'd just stir it right up, and then they'd go to take the paint, they put it on the wall and everybody was confused why there's paint chips and clumps of paint and it just looks disgusting, okay? And the reason why that they did that is because you're supposed to take a strainer before you just use this paint. You're supposed to actually strain out the old clumps and the old debris and because uh, it's been sitting for a while, okay? And here, while I was at this church, okay, I've learned a lot of things about mixing and not mixing, all right? One of the things I learned early on was that mixing law and grace was dangerous. Okay, if you read Clark's book, it's phenomenal specifically about this. But even mixing the old and new covenant is a big no-no. Everybody kind of knows that as well. I'll tell you where I struggled, okay? I'll tell you where I struggled. It took me a little while to kind of unlearn this, this thinking was with Jesus' words, and the things that Jesus said, and how he operated. And, the, and so I would take things that he said while he was here, and I would just be like, well, I, I just need to apply it to my life. I mean, he said it. He's Jesus. He's God. I'm sure that's what he means, 
right? And one of the first scriptures that I was ever told, I'm going to read it to you. It's Matthew 6.33. It's in the Jubilee version. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, right? And so I was told, Jesus said it, if you're having problems, if you're having any kind of issues, just seek God. Okay, Jesus said, he just said you need to seek him, so just seek after him, and that will fix all of your problems, okay? If you wanna know God, just seek him. Oh, you don't know God very good, just seek him. And so I would seek, and I would seek. If you're having trouble in your life, right, any kind of trouble, you know what your issue is? You just need to seek God. You need to seek him and seek him more. I know you were lost and now you're found, but you need to seek him. I know that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, but you need to seek Jesus. The problem with this type of thinking is the kingdom of God has already come. The kingdom lives in you and it lives in me. When we seek him, we are mixing the old and the new. Don't seek him. He sought you. He was the one that went after you. And I'll, I'll explain it to you. Look at the rest of this verse, right? It says to uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, okay? I want to encourage you today, don't seek righteousness. Don't seek it. Righteousness came, and righteousness was, and he came to live inside of us. Righteousness is with us always. Don't seek the kingdom. Don't seek righteousness, right? It says that as, um, or that he came into the world to save the world. He that knew no sin became sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, don't seek it. When we seek, when we seek him like that, when we're seeking him for righteousness and we're seeking after him and man, we're chasing after him, recognize he chased after you. He caught up to you. He's with you always. All right, the next one, next unnecessary tool. This is actually, I know some of you are going to stare at this the whole time to see if it falls. Um, the next one is my favorite tool at the job site. All right. Does anybody know what this is? I mean, it is a hammer, but it's kind of a little different, right? You get to bang things up with it. You get to destroy stuff. Like if you saw me showing up at the job site, just know there's gonna be a lot of damage that happens that day, and it was exciting. You get to play little games, right? Can you guys do this? Right? I know. Stupid, right? Pray for me. Um, <laughs> that's what you're thinking. I can see I can read your mind, all right. But there was this uh, job that we got sent to, and we actually uh, went there and we knocked a wall down, okay? We went to this house, we knocked the wall down, we cleaned it all up, and the property manager showed up at the job site, okay? And he's like, hey, I didn't tell you to knock that wall down. And we're like, yes, you did. No, I, I didn't tell you to knock that wall down. And we're like, well, it's tore down, what are we gonna do, <laughs> right? And my question to you is, what walls are you trying to knock down that God never asked you to knock down? What walls are they? 
right? There's a, there used to be a trend back in the 90s and early 2000s. You guys may have heard this. But the question is, um, have you done anything for God lately? That's kind of used to be the trend. Like, were the hands and feet, and have you done, have you done anything for God? Right? The new trend is, the newest trend is, are you taking time for God lately? Have you taken any time? I hear it all the time. As if spending time with God was a way to sledgehammer into his presence. Okay? Or they say, you know why God's not doing anything in your situation? It's because you haven't spent time with him. And all you need to do is spend more time and enter into his presence, and then something will happen. As if God, <laughs> I do think about this, like as if God is over in the corner, right? And, and you haven't spent enough time, and he's like, they haven't spent any time with me right now. I'm so disappointed in them, I'm not gonna open up anything for them. I'm not gonna do anything in their life, they just aren't spending time with me. You picture God being that way? Right? They don't even care about me over here. Or he's mad at you. I'm going to tell myself a little bit here. Uh, but uh, Gabe, our youth director, I've been kind of getting him into at least... Uh, doing some kind of exercise at the end of the workday. And so we'll go out for a walk, and I've been pushing him. And we've had multiple times where we had a consistent uh, day where we go out and go exercise, right? And, and there was one day, it was like a Monday, which is our scheduled Monday afternoon to try and go for a little bit of exercise. And I came in, and I noticed, I, I, said, I, said, I noticed he hadn't changed yet. And I was like, hey, Gabe, I, was, I said, so where's your clothes at? And he's like, oh, I forgot them. And I thought, oh, that's funny. I, I didn't forget my clothes. Like, I put my regular clothes on, and I got my exercise clothes like we do every Monday, and I put my clothes in the bag, and I brought them here, and now I'm changed in them. So isn't that funny how that works? Like, you just, you just forgot? You just forgot, right? This is my relationship with Gabe, just so you know. And really, he's just stubborn, just to let you know he's really just stubborn, and he on purpose forgot that day, okay? But I was giving him a hard time. And uh, I thought about that later. I was like, you know, I was like, could you imagine if that's how God was with us, right? We're like, man, they're not spending any time with me. I am so mad at them. I'm disappointed. God's not disappointed in us. He's not disappointed. Like, I forgot to spend time. He's not hanging this over our head. Do, um, other ways that we may have sledgehammered in, tried to sledgehammer into God's presence Okay, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm not going to harp on this if you do this. But fasting is one of the ways that we think that we can enter into God's presence, okay? Now, let, just to let you know, intermittent fasting is a pretty big deal in the health industry right now. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to enter into God's presence or not, but they're definitely getting into shape, okay? <laughs> but fasting is not really mentioned in the New Testament, just to let you know. It's not really under the New Covenant. There's one scripture that was added later, I believe it's in Matthew, where it said that the demon could only be removed by prayer and fasting. And that was added, and for whatever reason it was added. And yet it's so interesting that churches have adopted a 30, 60, 90 day at the beginning of the year of fasting. Okay, I, I can tell you right now, I don't think God's concerned about whether you're eating your hamburger or not. 
I really don't think he is. Another trend that I've seen, forgive me if you do this, is the ash on the forehead thing, okay? It's a new trend, I've seen it all over YouTube, it's in big churches, it's very trendy right now for some reason. And like, and I, I've seen those people and I'm like, you got something right there. Can I get it off? God's not concerned about that. I, I hate to tell you, I hate to break the news, but we're not entering into his presence by those things. We're just not. Look, let me read it to you. 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, this Lord is the Spirit, and where the Lord's Spirit is, there is freedom. We are free. We are free to spend time with him, and we're free to not spend time with him. If you want to take time, do it, but God's not going to hold it against you if you don't. I promise you, he's not. 1 John 4, 4, it says, greater is he that is with me, right? Greater is he that is with me. The word with actually means with, it means in, and it means among. And my question, this is something to rethink about, okay? But what if we spent more time thinking about how he's always with us than spending time trying to spend more time? What if, what if we thought about that? I'm gonna say that again. What if, instead of always thinking that we need to spend more time, what if we realize that he's always with us? Can I tell you, I'm just gonna say it, I don't try to enter into God's presence. I just don't. I just talk to him all day long. I don't, I don't try to enter in, and I used to spend hours, I told the staff the other day, I, used to, I, I was such a good prayer person where I, would sp I could sound real spiritual and say all the right things, God, we're pressing in, we're entering in, we're going in, and only to realize I don't think we have to try. I don't think we have to press in. I believe he's always with us. What if growth wasn't an emphasis on you spending time with him, but an acknowledgement of time he spends with you and that he's always with you? You want to know what always is in the Greek? I don't even have to look it up. Always. <laughs> what if we realize he already sledgehammered? What if we realize he already removed the wall, the barrier, the veil forever, and nothing can separate you from the love of God? What if we realize that? All right. You guys still hanging in there? I got one more tool, the final tool, the unnecessary tool for the job site. All right? The cutters. Those are pretty good. Right? Those are pretty good. I think we could do better, though. The cutters. It's too close to Halloween. I won't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want anybody running out. I got it turned off in case you're wondering, all right? How many of you guys have heard this, right? Well, let me tell you the story first. Uh, there was this uh, job that we had. had a bunch of teenagers, young guys working there, and they had chopped a bunch of the trees down, and they called me, and they're like, Matt, we need you to come over. There's this really tall tree. We need you to come over and cut. This is up in Ohio, like 20, almost 20 years ago. And uh, so I went over there, it's 5.30 in the afternoon, and I'm like freaking out, I'm like, oh man, get over there, and it's a tree that I was like, ah, I guess, I guess so. So I pulled the chainsaw out, 
started cutting, I was tired, and, and the, the chainsaw kicked back. You can only imagine what happened, okay? Ripped my pants and all sorts of other things, but um, not good, not a good situation. And in that, I thought, if all I had done was used a different tool instead of the tool that I just pulled out to do, right? It wasn't a necessary tool. The chainsaw was not the necessary tool for that job. But how many of you guys have ever heard about yourself that you need to, you know why God's not doing anything in your life? is because you need to cut some things out of your life. You know, this hasn't happened because you haven't cut this thing out. Clark talked about sin a couple weeks ago. You need to cut this sin out of your life. God's not doing anything because of that sin that you haven't cut out of your life. Or maybe it's just something that you do that's a habit. Maybe it's something that people don't like. And have you ever heard good, well-meaning people say, you got to get that out of your life. You got to cut that out of your life. And you'll hear people say, I got to decrease so that he can increase. Only to realize that's talking about covenant and that's John the Baptist and it's super specific in that moment. But yet you'll hear well-meaning Christians say that all the time. Not my will, but your will, God. And then you'll hear these things. I want to die to self. I want to die to self. I've heard series on dying to self. To put self to death. And it sounds real noble. It sounds real spiritual. But I want to encourage you, it's not in the Bible to die to self. I'll, I can tell you what's in the Bible. Galatians 2.20, if you can go there with me. Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith and the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to encourage you today that we don't need to die to self. We don't need to cut things out of our life. Now, if you're doing something stupid, obviously do something the opposite, okay? But don't, you don't need to cut things out. You don't need to cut personality things. For years, I was hard on myself because I was like, man, there's, there's issues, and I'd see other people that were nicer and kinder than I am, and I'm like, man, God, I want to be like that person. Like, clearly, I need to cut some things out of my life. And now, as I get older, I'm like, no, I'm just kind of the way I am, right? God made me the way I am. And my encouragement to you is God made you the way you are. You don't need to die to self. That's weird. That's weird talk. We're closing if Michael could come up. Um, 1 John 3, 1, I'm just going to quote it. You guys know it says, What marvelous love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Do you guys know that scripture? What marvelous love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. You don't need to cut things out of your life. God would never say, die to self. He wouldn't say that. And I think about it as a, as a the reason why I brought up the, the marvelous love and that we're children is because if my kid ever came to me and said, I'm going to die to self, I'm going to say, stop saying that. That is weird. Don't say die to self. In fact, scripture says, you guys know in Romans 6, it says that we were co-crucified with him. We already died. We are new creatures in him. 
We're not going to continue to die. Is Jesus continuing to die? I don't think so. We don't need to continue to die. Stop trying to tear things out, rip things out. So the question is, I got all these unnecessary tools, right? Showed up to the job site for growth, and I was given all these tools. And for years, I was given a lot of tools. Been to a lot of churches, wrote down a lot of scriptures, wrote down a lot of notes, had boxes and boxes of notes, went to Bible school, all of those things, right? And the question is, if you're at the job site, what do you do when you don't have the right tool? I'm gonna show you, you ready? This is it. put the tools away. <laughs> you put the tools, the unnecessary tools away. And then you go back to the shop, you humble yourself and you say, I, I got the wrong tools. And with all the notes and all the time that I spent working on myself for years and years and years, I just had to toss it away. Even before I moved here to back to Florida, it was embarrassing, but I took all my Bible college notes and all the notes I take, I just threw it all away. I, I kind of knew what Paul was saying is I, I count all those, those things as dung, right? I, I, I didn't know what to do with it. I'm like, the only thing I know to do is just get rid of it. I got to start over from scratch because everything that I've tried has not worked. And the worst thing that you can do in your life is say, well, these are tools that were given to me. They must be good. I'm going to try and finish the job with the tools that were given to me. Stop. Stop trying. Just put the tools away. Went back to my father-in-law at the shop. I said, hey, I accidentally brought the ladder. That's all I brought. He kind of laid out for me, you know, this is what you're supposed to bring. And that's what we're going to talk about in a couple weeks is the tools you're supposed to bring, right? But it was humbling. It was difficult. It was not easy because I wanted to do all of the work. I wanted to grow. I wanted to put the effort in. Only to realize that he actually does the growth. <laughs> He actually does the growth. And when you put the tools away, that's the first start to realizing that you're done with that life, okay? And it's funny, that same father-in-law that I had to go back to, he, I was talking to him last week, and uh, he was gonna watch at some point, I don't know when, I don't know if it's gonna be this, this Sunday or next or whatever, but he goes, hey Matt, he goes, so are you done with that series where you, stop where you tell all the Christians to stop doing all the things that Christians do? And I was like, no, I said, that's pretty much a lifetime. That's all I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. <laughs> there, that series will be forever for me. And I heard Clark say something a, a couple weeks ago, and it was interesting because the same week I told my wife something is, I don't know what I'm called to do anymore. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but the only thing I want to spend the rest of my life do is taking burdens off of people. Because I think the church, I think ourselves, I think life, we just put burdens on ourselves. Well, God must be pleased with this. Well, if I do this, I'm sure that he would be proud of that. And maybe we carried those things from when we were a kid. And we think, oh, I'm sure my parent. And you think, oh, he's our father and we're supposed to please. He's already pleased with you. He's asking you to put the tools back and to go live your life. So if you're offended about anything I said today, man, I, I just want you to know, I, I mean it the best I can. I spent a lifetime, a lot of years, trying to fix and do things and change me and only to realize God loved me the way I am. <laughs> he loved me the way, I, he loves you the way you are. Stop trying to change you, stop trying to fix you. And I can tell you 
the loneliness that I experienced at the top of the ladder of perfection, you'll experience a lot more. People will start to begin to like you. <laughs> They'll begin to actually like you because you're not so good. And you know what I mean? You guys know what I mean. <laughs> you're good, but you're not as good as you think you are. All right, let me pray for us and, and we're going to go. But Father, we thank you uh, for today. We thank you, God. We, we do surrender. And the surrender that we do is, is the doing it ourselves. The mentality that, that we could have some part to play in our growth. That we could have some part to play in trying to change us or move us into some kind of new zone with you, God. That we are actually free today to be with you, to live with you. We live and move and have our being in you, God. We trust you. We love you today. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.